0: Welcome to episode 18 of Who To Be A Podcast. I am your host, Raj Baines, and joining me is the lovely Rory Benton. Sup. (laughs) Rory, how are you? Yeah, very
1: well, thanks, mate. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's been a struggle, if we're going to be honest, with uh, the international break. Town news is almost non-existent, to be honest, uh, apart from the international and everything, so we'll muddle through. It might be a, a shorter podcast than usual. Um but we'll we'll do our best. I'm sure there's there's something we can cobble together.
1: Yeah. Well we'll see, won't we?
0: You you look confident. <laughs> um if we do start with the internationals, because obviously that's the reason why there's been no football, um both Jonas Lossel and Matthias Zanker Jorgensen have been on the bench for Denmark in the past couple of games. Uh they've qualified for the playoff round. Yeah, correct. So Christian Erickson's essentially dragged them through to what have they got now? A Two-legged affair? Is it all European clubs or is yeah, it...
1: all European countries clubs? Um, yeah, I suppose. yeah, and they I think they find out in in sort of two weeks time who they'll get, and then the ties take place in November. Um, both ties within five, four or five days of each other, so right they'll know by November the seventeenth. I want to say that if they'll be at the World Cup or not at the finals.
0: Right. So it's those two, especially who are going through and um, are part of the senior squad. The under 21s is obviously where we've got probably a bit more action if we're being honest, because Philip Billing starts for them and played very well for them. What's his performance has been like for the national team?
1: Yeah, he's played uh he's just played the one ninety minutes so far. They won five two against I think it was Georgia under twenty ones. Right. Um Yeah, played played pretty well. I think actually played eighty one minutes. Um supposedly played pretty well, wasn't involved in any of the goals in terms of assists or or actually finishing them himself. But he seems to be, after not being called up for quite a while and then getting his first call up for the 21 team last year, he seems to be sort of going from strength to strength and he seems to be someone that they like having in the side now. Um, so it's positive there. He's he's back in, in action on Tuesday, tomorrow at 4.30 uh, against Finland under 21s. Um, yeah, and it, they seem to be doing all right. Denmark of Denmark's under twenty ones haven't lost a game in qualifying yet so so far for the Euros in I think it's twenty nineteen. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all going well for Billing on on the international front.
0: I know from from Twitter and everything that of all the Danish players that Huddersfield have on their books, Billing's the one that they appear to be the most excited by, and it's one that even fans of other clubs have sort of been in contact to ask about because he's probably the most eye catching of of all of Huddersfield's young players. Um, I know there's some big clubs who sort of like the look of him, fancy having him in the system and stuff like that, especially, you know, in this weekend's opposition Swansea have already tabled a big bid for him. There's, there's clearly clubs taking interest in it. This under twenty one thing, do you think there's, there's a chance of him making a step up to the full side before the World Cup if he continues his current Premier League form?
1: I mean, it's all about how you play in the Premier League, isn't it? And how many how many games you play and that kind of thing. I think if he kept up his form, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, to be honest, if he was English, I think he probably would have got called up by now. That just seems to be that England players just get called up, you know, on a regular basis if they're young and and sort of bring something new to the team. He definitely brings something new to whichever team that he plays in. So I wouldn't be surprised if we if we do see him get called up for. For the senior team, I don't know whether they would call him up for the World Cup. I think it's probably a bit too late in terms of bedding him in now because they've only got, I think, three more international breaks until the World Cup.
0: Did have a crack in one of the friendlies before, I don't know, you'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah, possibly, but then I, I can imagine then the was it the twenty three man squad or whatever it is. I don't, I don't imagine would see him in that, um, just because he's young. And also you wouldn't want to rush someone into the side who doesn't know the system and that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that he doesn't, he might know the system, but I just don't think it would be something that they would they would go for at this point. I think they would maybe, there seems to be like a transitional period between major tournaments for for sides. England go through it all the time because they're terrible every year. <laughs> so the transitional period, I would say, is the year after the tournament, if you've done particularly poorly. The year before the next tournament is then all about building for that, so you probably see more players coming in and getting debuts for the senior team the year after a tournament rather than the year before. Um, so I don't, although he might play for, for the foot for the senior team this year, I don't imagine he'll go to the World Cup with them.
0: There's also Ryan Schofield who's in the England under 19s. Um, how's he getting on? Because he's sort of with the academy being downgraded and everything, he's sort of one of the, the shining lights of. You know Huddersfield U system at present
1: Yeah absolutely, I think he's he's going to have a really big future um, he, he plays for England under-19s, under I think he's played for the 21s as well, it's worth noting that he's 17 years old yeah. that just shows how, how highly, not only Town rate him but how highly England rate him um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does with his career, obviously he got promoted to the first team squad at the beginning of the season then Town brought in Jonas Lossel and Robert Green so it kind of pushed him down the pecking order a little bit Um, but I don't know it's one that you know
0: you don't want to force too much too soon on the 17 year old exactly
1: especially as a goalkeeper because we've spoken before about how crucial confidence is for a goalkeeper especially for a young goalkeeper at that age you don't want to you know you don't want to throw him in at a League Cup match and then him give away a penalty or concede four or whatever not that he will but it's just you know you need to sort of balance that out but as we've said again before on this podcast you trust David Wagner to to make those decisions and to and to bring sort of young players through as he as he has shown and as he as he did at, at Dortmund as well in their second team. So no, he's he's definitely one to keep an eye out on the future for sure.
0: Another one of our own is Kane, who plays for the Irish under 21s Um He's quite highly thought of and regarded around the club. We gather uh, he's one that sort of they imagine will. Breakthrough into the first team at some stage. How's he been getting on for the Republic
1: Ireland? Again, he, they're in the, the under twenty one Euros uh, qualifying. Uh, they played Norway uh, over the weekend, uh, and it was a, a nil nil draw for him. Obviously, as a defender, you know you can't really complain about a clean sheet. Um, he did also test the keeper out uh, in the final minutes, but but couldn't get a goal. Um, I think Ireland probably would have wanted to win that game, but again, a draw. Know, especially in a qualifying campaign, I think you would take that. Um, and yeah, be back in action 3.30pm uh, against Czech Republic. So uh, obviously we're recording the podcast a bit earlier than that, but we can, uh, we'll can we bring the updates as that happens. Excellent. Um,
0: if we have a look at some of the other players who are playing for other teams other than town, but belong to town, yep. if that's a convoluted enough segue, uh, the lone, lone players. <laughs> um, jodi Huwula, if we start there. Fleetwood Town is it Fleetwood, yep, Town? Fleetwood Town yeah he's scored five goals this season he seems to be doing well scored a few for Bradford as well last year
1: yeah he's doing well at Fleetwood uh, five goals as I said this season uh, one in the AFL Cup against Carlisle which is second game of the season so he got off a, to a pretty flying start um had to wait a little bit for his, <coughs> his next goals but then two against Bury one against Bradford and uh and one against Plymouth so he seems to be producing a bit more than he did maybe last year, uh, which is always good to see. And it's good to see someone sort of developing away from the from Huddersfield Town. That's you know what the loan system's for. And I think in terms of Huwila, they're using it pretty well at the minute.
0: Because he's spending so much time in the the lower leagues, uh, it's not Championship level either. It's sort of League One, League Two that he's spending his time in. Do you think there is a, a clear path to him in the first team? Because he's he's doing returns, but it seems as if it might be one where. Huddersfield have picked him up from Manchester City, and they'll pass him off again for a profit, and that'll be the the success of it will be a a business arrangement more than it will be a footballing one.
1: I think now, yes, you'd have to say that now with, with town being in the Premier League, because the standard of player that you need obviously goes up, and you know that you you, you want to be able to sort of clear out your squad enough so that you can bring in other players. Who are going to be able to compete? I don't think Huwila is going to be able to compete at Premier League level. Certainly not in the next sort of season or so. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Town do do ship him on. Um, but as I said, it that would be a business decision. So that you know, Town may have picked him up for free, and then and then like you know, years later they, they sell him on. So you know, it, it makes sense from a business point of view. And I think although it would be nice to see more players develop and come through the the sort of ranks at town. Now that they're in the Premier League, it's just not going to happen. It's just, it's not viable.
0: That seems to be what the restructuring of the academy yeah. is there to acknowledge as well, is that sort of, it was hard enough bringing players through for Championship and League One level and shifting the goalposts yet again to Premier League with so many other large academies around, taking the best talent from the area. It's almost impossible for Huddersfield to, to, to compete in there their return on their investment just wasn't occurring. So that appears to be the thinking behind that as well. Yeah. I think one of the players that most people still have some hope around and and hope he does come back at some point and, and think he will is Jack Payne, who appears to be doing really, really well at Oxford. Every time you read about Oxford, he's central to what they're doing. Seems to be scoring goals, setting him up, being the most energetic player on the field, looking the best. Obviously from a player who's in and out of the squad in the Championship, looked good on his day, struggled at time with that level, making the, the big step up, going back down to League One. He's obviously tearing it up there. Do you think it was a, a, missed, a missed opportunity not to put him towards the middle, top end of the Championship?
1: I, I don't know. I think David Wagner and, and Dean Hoyle will look at the clubs that are interested and they will They'll find the best fit that that they think that will you know be able to to develop certain players. I think maybe with Jack Payne, the question about him was, is he a bit too lightweight? You know, does he need to sort of be able to put his body around a bit more? Obviously, he's a small guy anyway, but having sort of a low center of gravity, is he? You know, he needs to be able to sort of keep shield the ball a bit better and use other qualities rather than just size. Mm. So I think maybe League One would make sense for that because it's a more physical league than the championship, although the championship is pretty physical in itself anyway. So maybe they're thinking, you know, give him six months. Obviously, I think he's there for a year, but they have the option of a recall in January. So maybe they're thinking, give him six months, see if he can sort of toughen up a little bit at league one level, and then see what he can do in the premier league. If we need to recall him afterwards, I think the recall would be something that they will be looking at because Casey Palmer's injured and, and, although Palmer might be back in January with the problems he's had recently you probably wouldn't bet on him being fit for the whole season as much as we'd love to see it
0: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good point there's obviously a depth issue with the squad that's something that a lot of people have picked up on and he's not a bad option he, he, I don't think he'd be first choice at any point in the Premier League no. but having him there and available especially when FA Cup games come around again and that sort of thing happens and there's more fixture congestion, especially after Christmas, where there's more games than there aren't. Yeah. It would probably be a smart decision to to have a look at his progress and see whether or not it, it makes sense to bring him back. Do you know what it is exactly that's seems to be working for him down there? Is it sort of being closer to home? Managers, Pep Clotet, which is the assistant who was at Leeds last year with Gary Monks, obviously. There's some degree of wanting to play the game the right way, which will feed into what David Wagner fancied as well. Is it is it sort of a combination of all of the above?
1: I think so. I think he's also the main playmaker. He plays the number 10 role down there and, and it basically everything starts from him. Uh, they played Peterborough, um, not this weekend, but last weekend. Uh, scored four goals against, against them, all set up by Jack Payne. Uh, I think previously as well as two games beforehand, Again, they scored four goals. Jack Payne set up three of them and scored the other one. So it seems like everything is going through him. Um, I spoke to the the chief sports writer at, at the uh, Oxford Mail uh, last week and he was just raving about him, just how good he is in the system that they play, playing the number 10 role. It's just, he gets the ball and it's, you know, from there, it's that's where the attacking sort of intent comes from. So I think... As well, like I said before, David Wagner's definitely done his homework. I think he probably saw that Oxford needed a number 10 and they sort of go through the number 10 quite regularly. Um, so yeah, I think Payne seems to be developing. His confidence is going to be sky high at the minute. So let's hope he can continue doing it and then when he comes back to town can do it in the Premier League as well.
0: There was like a, a bit of controversy as well when he first went to Oxford because he'd come from South End and they're quite close by and, and rivals and everything. I don't think the South end fans took it too well but he was dropping back down into that league after a season and going to a team that wasn't them. Has there been any build up on that? Has he played South End yet?
1: Uh they haven't played yet. They uh play later on in November, so that could be uh, could be a tasty game and he might get, you know, a bit of abuse from the fans.
0: One to keep an eye out for. Them. Yeah, definitely. Um the other one, Sean Scannell, who's gone to Burton Albion. Uh in and out of the team from what I understand. Yeah,
1: in and out of the team he's not really Personally, I thought going to Burton was probably a good move for him. I think he he gives them a bit of pace on the wings, which maybe they didn't have. Um, but yeah, he's, he hasn't really been able to establish himself as as a first choice sort of player. He's in and out, and um, we thought that he might play against Manchester United in the in the Carabao Cup. Uh, being one of those players who's sort of in and out, so he, you know you think you'd he'd, he'd get a start in the cup competition, but didn't even get on the pitch there. So. No, but it's interesting, Sean Scannell, because you know, as I said, I thought he would fit in well at Burton, but obviously hasn't worked out quite yet. I'm still pretty early in in the season, so hopefully again he gets the minutes that sort of he needs in his legs, and again he might be one that that gets recalled. And you know, I, I still I really like him as a player. He, he's kind of all effort, and I, just, I feel like he could probably still do a job for town coming off the bench in the Premier League.
0: There's a fitness issue with him though, because as there are with plenty of wingers who rely on pace, Mm. muscular injuries can occur, and they've occurred more often than they haven't in recent seasons. He's probably missed more games than he's played, and that's likely been a contributing factor, because he's a fan favourite. You know, Before a game at the John Smiths, they always read out who the kid's favourite player is, who's a mascot, and it used to be that more often than not, it were either Naki Wells or Sean Scannell. More often than not, it was Sean Scannell, in all honesty. These days, it's changed a little bit, because... There's Moy and Schindler and all the rest to take the kids' attentions away from them. But they're players that curry a lot of favour. I know when Sean Scanlon used to warm up, he would get a big clap from the fans. and He's obviously somebody that has a good relationship with the club and with the fans especially. So it would be nice to see perhaps him build on that. But I don't think it's gone completely to plan at Burton as yet.
1: No, no. Again, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I, I just don't think Burton has been the fit that I think we thought it might have been. Um but yeah, as I said, it's still early days, so hopefully he gets hopefully he can impress and, and get some more game time. You'd hope so.
0: Hope so. Hope so I hope he stays fit for the season as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably more important than anything else because if he is to to move on, if Huddersfield do stay up, that's probably the underlying thing with all these loans is and the reason why their loans are not permanent moves is, you know, Touch wood. If relegation does become something that Huddersfield have to worry about, then yeah. their future in this team becomes far more likely than it would do otherwise. Huddersfield stay up again and recruit again; it's likely they're going to be shifted on from the wage bill, thanks for their service, and you know we move down to lower leagues because that's where the interest will be. Um, that's sort of the <laughs> the pragmatic reality yeah. of it all. Uh, in all honesty, um, Jordan Williams. Is it Bury? He is, yeah. With about twenty other ex-town players, I think. <laughs> Lee Clark
1: rebuilding. Lee like.
0: Clark's rebuilding that League One team, yeah. That he didn't get up. Uh, so what? What's he been like? I know he's coming for a cup game. I think I
1: read. Yeah, well, he played for for Huddersfield in the EFL Cup earlier on in the season uh, against. Of Rotten. course, he did. Yeah, and then went went out on loan pretty immediately after that. Um, but I thought he was quite impressive actually um, in that game. Anyway, I digress. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's played a few games for Bury, six appearances so far. Um, can't say it was the best of starts with a draw, nil-nil draw at Rochdale and a 1-0 defeat against Scunthorpe. So, but yeah, he's, he's kind of, you know, Bury themselves have, have got back into it a little bit, scoring a few more goals now, but I think uh, they're probably not where they want to be in the table. Um, in the league again, lost to Rotherham and lost to Fleetwood while Jordan Williams has been playing, so there's actually only been one win that he's taken part in with with Bury at the minute and that was in the the Football League Trophy against Blackburn. So, yeah, it's a bit of a a struggle to start but I think that might be the team he's in rather than than his performances contributing to that, to be honest.
0: Yeah, Um, there's two that I think we can just probably sum up with a sentence because they're not, the the biggest players in the academy as yet. They're just sort of fringe players, but they are getting minutes under their belt and that's Horsefall at Kidderminster and uh, Pike at Port Vale. As, what do we know about them and how they're getting on at present? This is essentially one of their initial loan moves to get professional football under their belts and get a bit of experience in them, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Fraser Horsefall, he's a, a defender, I think, I think he's 20 years old. Um, reasonably good player, don't know what, he doesn't have the same sort of hype about him that maybe Jordan Williams does. Okay. Or, um, or yeah. Kane. Sorry. Or Kane. Yeah. So, I always call
0: him Kane. I've done that before.
1: So yeah, we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll see with Fraser Horsefall. Uh, and then Rick Hill Pike seems to have been around for ages. Um, sort of, he's been on loan. I think he was at Wrexham last year on loan. He's now at Port Vale. Ring a bell? Yeah, yeah. Not really scoring the goals that that maybe they thought he would get. I don't think he's got one yet this season. So. You know, again another one that, that may be there.
0: Bit sort of, of a Flo judge.
1: Yeah, well, I wouldn't want to tie him with that brush just yet, but possibly.
0: Flo Judge came on and scored in the championship once, didn't he?
1: Not last year though. Not last no. year, no, the year before.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I seem to remember. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's a a mention for Bo Judge that I didn't think we'd ever be mentioning on the podcast, but there we go. Last one is Siri he Combs Dennis. Um was ruled out for the season. Yeah. Um really
1: unfortunate.
0: Portsmouth still paying his wages?
1: Yeah, he um he got a knee injury. I think it was an ACL that he, that he did. Um first game for Portsmouth, wasn't it? Yeah, first half of the first game. Knee injury out for the season. But in the in the contract it's Portsmouth pay his wages and that kind of stuff, so he, he's still on Portsmouth Books and they He's still down
0: in. there doing his recovery and everything, isn't
1: yes, he? Yes, I think so. And then they've they brought in um Damien McCrory. Another left back who Another did left exactly the same thing. Did exactly the same thing, like two de- two games later. So it's a bit of a left back crisis down there at the minute.
0: Aren't they owned by some guy who did Disney or something? Portsmouth. They've been taken over by the old Disney president, Walt Disney. No, not not, <laughs> not Walt Disney. I think his name's like Eisner or something. Uh, I remember reading something about it. I mean, of all the questionable owners that Portsmouth have had in the past, having the man who. He used to run Disney is probably a good thing. I mean, he's sat on more money than anything else, but that's a, a digression as well. Um, we've got a couple of questions, a couple that were left over from the last show uh, that were sent in just after we'd recorded and things like that. There are a couple of people. One of the questions is coming from somebody who has a protected Twitter account, and obviously we don't follow everyone that tweets us, so we won't be able to see him. So if you do have a protected Twitter account and are tweeting us questions and we're not answering them, it's just because we literally can't see them, so it's not anything personal. Um, the in question unprotected his account and sent us a screenshot of his question, so that's why we now have access to it. Um, so we'll, we'll go with that one first. It's from uh, Jonathan Gillespie via Twitter. Um, he apologised for being a bit morbid uh, before he asked it, but you'll see why when I do okay. ask it. Um, this is weird. If, building. <laughs> if and when David Wagner leaves town, what direction do you feel the club should take with their next manager? Ooh. A bit early to be thinking about the next coach from my liking, but uh, may as well. There's no no problem planning ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's an interesting question because this is someone who's who's come into the club and changed the whole footballing philosophy. Not only changed on the pitch, but off the pitch in terms of training schedules and that kind of stuff. Equipment. So <laughs> equipment, every everything. And he's obviously brought the club a load of success. But then the question is, do you try and find someone who is David Wagner- sort of 2.0 if he does leave or do you pick someone who's going to do the same but in their own sort of way so you know someone who who again is going to take the. I mean the main question is can they take the club forward will they be able to do a job in whatever division we're in and you know do do we I think the third question which probably not not all owners would ask is is he going to sort of is he going to play the brand of football we want to have here? We've had this conversation a lot. My brand of football is winning games. Your brand of football is, is much more sort of That was a bit David
0: Brent, not My brand of football is winning games. You sound like Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> well,
1: if, if they're going to offer me the Celtic job, I don't mind. It. But yeah, um, yeah. so it, it'll be interesting. I don't think you can call it because obviously Dean Hoyle and David Moss will have a, a, a plan for, for if and when David Wagner leaves. I think David Wagner as well would, would give them a lot of time notice um before he did leave. So it's it's a really, really tough one to call. Um depends. is he surprised. gonna take
0: take Bueller with him or keep him on like Bueller after? I imagine
1: he'll 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 take Bueller with him. Yeah. I think it'd
0: be nice if he stayed around and gave him the
1: gave him the nod. Yeah, but is that likely? Probably not.
0: The other question is, is uh, one Mark Hudson being groomed in a Gary Monk at Swansea type manner? Because obviously he's learning his coaching trade directly through Wagner and Bueller on the field Mm -hmm. as part of that squad. Um, Technical staff, sorry, not squad. Um, And obviously doing his badges and everything. So he's going to be trying to get up to the requisite level of profession to do that job. Um, So that is an avenue that could be explored. It might be a bit too soon for him. You don't want to chuck him into the Premier League straight away, but it's not the first time that will happen. It's not the last time that will happen either. And If the club think he's good enough, if there's a trust there, which there appears to be, there's a good relationship with Hudson, that might be something that they look at maybe if, if Wagner stays on for not just this season, but the season after. If Hudson's got two years of being an assistant under his belt, maybe that's the time they look at giving him the job
1: possibly you know that is going to be probably the best education that you'll get Um, and in terms of sort of passing the battle when David Wagner does leave someone who's learnt under him and and has sort of bought into his philosophy is probably a good thing to you know good avenue to go down I don't know if it will happen though because I think the Premier League now there is so much money in it that to give someone a job a manager, a manager's job without having actually managed a football club, I think then, you know, I, I don't think that'll happen. If you could, like, loan him out to a club, kind of like we do with the players, loan him out to a club for Well, a the start. idea would
0: be you give him the twenty three or the 18s, wouldn't it?
1: True, but I, I still don't think that. That gives you the experience that you need. I mean... <laughs> say that David Wagner only had the the Dortmund sort of youngsters, didn't he? But
0: exactly,
1: I, f- I feel like in the Premier League they won't just they won't do that because of the money. I don't feel I don't think any owner in the Premier League would give someone a job after managing the under 23s
0: The situations you want to avoid with things like this is chopping and changing between styles and ideologies, and that is no easier scene than Crystal Palace, where they've gone from a run of what Pulis, pardew and Allardyce tried to instill total football in four games, mm. written that off as a failure before they were even ready to, and then brought in somebody else who's diametrically opposed to that again. So they've changed tact several times. I think they've had about twelve managers in the last six years or something. It's a ridiculous number It's not far off that if it's not that exactly. Um what Town needs to do is they need to be a, a club in the mould of Southampton and Swansea where the playing ideology, the purchasing ideology and the recruitment is all bigger than one man so that you can bring in a manager that falls into that ideology without really changing things. The squad is dependent on what the club wants it to be rather than what one man wants it to be. So it's not a manager system, it's a head coach system. and That obviously is what Huddersfield are set up for with Moss there already. Um, Swansea have gone away from that a little bit. They've hired a couple of bad managers and that led them to Paul Clement, which is seems to be working well enough at the minute. A bit dodgy, but it's not, not as bad as it was under uh, Bob Bradley or the...
1: Was it Francesco Guidolin?
0: Francesco Guidolin beforehand. So, um, there's one or two questionable ones. You need to be able to do it properly. But Southampton, if you look at them, they've Pochettino was stolen from them, Kuma was stolen from them. Um, you know, there questions raised over the manager we were bringing in because he didn't have the the highest of uh, profiles in this country. Quad Blue and. Uh, Pellegrino, at present. I almost uh, called him uh, Pellegrini from uh, Manchester City. City. Right. So, you, you, I think they're they're clever. They almost scout their managers in the same way they scout their players, and I think that's a, an avenue to be explored. Because otherwise, you you end up picking the same old names and giving people the same old jobs.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I wouldn't say that Southampton's model is the one to follow, though. I, they came I, up in. I've, a, say, I've said this before. That I just don't like. I don't like how obviously. Being a selling club, you sell your best players and your manager leaves and that kind of stuff. I don't think it is sustainable for, you know, 15 years. I don't think at some point you're going to hire the wrong person, you're going to bring in the wrong players and it's, it's going to fall apart.
0: But that's going to happen at any club though, isn't it?
1: Not, not if the turnover is massive year in, year out. If the turnover's massive year in, year out, and you have to... No, but y- y- I don't think
0: they're up. they're aiming for that massive turnover. They're just future-proofing themselves. If anything, they're a victim of their own success. The players are only getting sold because they're very good and they've scouted them before anyone else. Their managers are only being taken because they're very good and they've hired them before anyone else. So the reason that people are being taken for them is because they're doing very well. So it's not as if they're hiring and firing... They're hiring, succeeding, and then having those successions take from them.
1: But what I would say is that 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 is not a model that is sustainable. It might be down to success that 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 is their model, but the fact is that it is their model, and it's not. It won't be successful forever. At some point, you will get it wrong. You'll get the hiring stage wrong, and then, you know, if you if you've cleared out, not cleared out, but if five of your best players have been cherry picked in the summer and you bring in five players who are going to basically take the roles that they had, plus a manager. If the, if the manager gets it wrong first couple of games, the players don't live up to it, you very quickly find yourself in trouble.
0: But hiring managers isn't the easiest job in the world, is it? We've seen that in the, the recent past at town with managers like Chris Powell and Mark Robbins coming in with you know sound thinking behind their appointments, but it didn't go to plan after that.
1: Yeah, I, and I, I agree with that, but that's just sort of... that's. The danger of hiring managers, isn't it? Sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong, and it might look all the world on paper to be right, and then you get it horribly wrong. David Wagner on paper was probably not the man that everyone thought Town should have brought in at the time. Bringing in a foreign manager when Town are in a relegation battle, people probably question that, but obviously changed the philosophy, changed the whole feeling around the club, and it's worked out 20 million fold. It's just, you know, I think that's just. You know, hiring managers. But if we
0: look at that and compare it to what Southampton did with Pochettino, which is almost similar, theirs was even more drastic because they sacked Adkins, who was doing reasonably well at the time, and brought in their own man who thought they were going to do better. And they were pilloried. Well, I think most people said, you know, that's the end of Southampton. They've gone for a no name from Espanol, and you know, they've got rid of a solid English manager. And I don't think anybody was calling Chris a solid manager at the time he was sacked because town were doing terribly and playing terribly. But at the same time, the thinking behind the appointments is similar. They, they saw a better future under a more risky appointment and Southampton have regularly done that to success.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree I, with you. Yeah.
0: They might not pull it off every time, but they've pulled it off, what, three, four times in a row enough now to stay in the Premier League, which is enough for their club. Yeah, yeah. I don't think town funds are going to be turning down four straight seasons in the Premier League or anything. Like no, that.
1: Absolutely not. But what I'm saying is that four seasons in the Premier League is great. But if you if you have this risky approach, which you know you said it was a risky strategy, if you continually have a risky strategy, at some point the risk isn't going to pay off, and you're going to get relegated.
0: But there's a risk even without that strategy. They could bring in someone and think he's going to be our manager for the next ten years. I know,
1: and that's just that's just hiring managers, then, isn't it? That's just pop you, you getting boiling down to sort of potluck. So how do
0: we answer the question then, Rory? Who do, we bring well, I've answered the question. Who do you bring in?
1: Who do you bring? All uh, right. Bringing it back round, are we? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: who do we Well, bring we've in? got to answer the question. Uh, we can't just well, argue Baines between... The benson coalition. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, it's it, you know, it's anyone's guess, really. And I, as, I'd like to think Christoph Buhler would stay and be the manager in his own right. I don't think he will. I think he'll go with Wagner because they make such a great team. And I think Andy Hughes might go as well with them. Um, Andrew Hughes, sorry. And, I don't know, it's going to have to be someone with a similar footballing style because because the last change was so dramatic and it's brought them such success, I don't think the next change should be as drastic. I think they should stick with, with what they've got because what they've got is, is brilliant. So
0: Carlo Ancelotti is looking for a job at the minute.
1: <laughs> I don't think he's ever heard of Huddersfield.
0: <laughs> I was making a joke. But, um... We've got another question. Thanks for that question, Jonathan. It's well worth you sending it in. Me and Rory are probably going to argue about this for the rest of the day now. Yeah. Um, Michael James Miller via email. Uh, another quite downtrodden one, if I'm being honest. Uh, After nine games and so few goals scored, it is hard to see beyond a season of struggle. So the Wagner factor aside and holding on to him, what do you think the club needs to do from here on in to maximise their chances of staying up?
1: It's another really good question. Um, score goals. Just need to score more goals. But in terms of how you do that, I think you've just gotta you've gotta trust the system that's in place. You've got to trust the the pressing game. I think what we haven't seen as much when Tam were at their best last season, which maybe we haven't seen as much so far this year, apart from at Crystal Palace, was that they were getting into the faces of the opposition, pressing them high up the pitch and winning the ball high up the pitch so the transition period after that is very quick from winning the ball to being in on goal so i think maybe they just need to keep the belief in the in the passing game i mean the belief's always going to be there because it basically took them from the bottom of the championship to the, the top last season so i think i think just just trust the system more than anything maybe maybe bring in another number 10 in january if possible just because I, unless jack Payne comes back or or you, you know either Jack Payne comes back or brings someone in because I don't think you can trust Casey Palmer to be... Not that it's his fault, but I just think, you know, you can't rely on him to not be injured um, and maybe a bit more quality in that sort of part of the the pitch would be, you know, a, a good thing to get in in terms of goal scoring. I think defensively, I would disagree that it's going to be a season of struggle. I think maybe... I've, I've said 15th was my prediction for town. I, I would stick by that prediction. I think maybe you might get dragged into it a little bit here and there, but I think they should be fine based on the defense. So, you know, it, it's a tough one in terms of scoring goals. David Wagner says that Town score enough goals anyway at the minute because the defense is so good. So, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what 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 are your thoughts on it.
0: My thoughts is I think the, uh this goal thing has been a bit made a bit too much has been made out of it because mm-hmm. I don't think they've played that many games yet where. It's actually been a concern where they've actually created nothing. I think in the Southampton game, they were just profligate. I think in the Leicester game, they had a legitimate goal chalked out and shouldn't have done. Tottenham game, you cross it out because it's just a far better team that you, you know, there's no shame in not landing a glove on them. And Huddersfield did at points, they hit the bar, tested them really well in the first, you know, 10 minutes, as we said previously. West Ham game, I think, is an anomaly. Had we played them at a different time, just a normal Saturday afternoon kickoff halfway through the season, it would have probably been a bit more closer than it was on the day because with the wind, with the rain, with the first game back at that stadium, if you can call it that, um, <laughs> was uh, you know things were were in their favour more than they would have been otherwise. Uh, the Burnley game, I think, was both teams cancelling each other out with sort of similar game plans, as we've seen Burnley beat far better teams and, and play, you know, above their station several times, that's not a bad point to have at Turf more either. So if you take it in context, I don't think it's too bad. When you start talking about the sort of, what is it, four go- four goals in six games or something like that, mm-hmm. seven games, then it sounds a bit worse. But when you break it down, it's not as bad. The other factor is this is the striker they bought to be their first choice striker, Steve Meunier, 22 years old, obviously does really well on his debut slightly quieter in the next couple of games but he's still getting used to the league I don't think uh, expectations should have been raised because of that Crystal Palace game we should have just been happy that it was obviously such a good match on the day Huddersfield played so well and the momentum from the Championship player final was, was brought into this match which it clearly was at his age, it's going to take him a little while to get used to the league and he's clearly had chances. There was a header against Leicester, I think. There was a couple of others here and there that he's done well in. So he's he's still getting in the positions and he's still looking threatening, as De Plattre has done in his absence. But him missing games and having that regularity of playing time is obviously going to have affected the squad. They've trained and they've expected to play in one system with one player. They've had to readjust, have a different striker in with a different set of expectations and different playing style. And that's, again, happened for, what, three games now? So they've they've still not really had an extended regular run with one attacking unit in place. So I don't think the underlying um, logic... Is flawed whatsoever. I just think that there have been slight speed bumps in getting that up and running. Once it's there, I think Town will be fine, especially with the defences the way it is. We knew in the Championship they won games narrowly. That's what they did. The, the amount of two ones we watched was ridiculous. Town go ahead in the first half, get pegged back, score late on. That was 90% of the matches last year. Um, so they're not a team that tend to go and blast people off the park. They will defend tight and win it by one or two goals, which for a club of their size with the players they have is about as well as you can expect. So I, I think because people are naturally worried, because a lot is made of the Premier League and because the statistics when written out without context look poor, uh, the the need and want to panic that i think is uh innate amongst the auctionmen is uh, is you know being uh being born and and pulled into fruition but I, personally i don't see any real crisis or need to panic as yet do you agree
1: yeah yeah i think i think i would agree I, I would agree with most of it but i would say that the goals is it is an issue i would say that the context of this season makes it a bit better viewing but I still don't think it's it's that great. Um three goals against Crystal Palace D- judging from now that sort of seems to be like an average result against Crystal Palace now. Um 1-0 win against Newcastle. Yeah, Rafa's got them playing all right and and defensively pretty sound. But then two goals against West Ham, you know, both of them probably the first one obviously was a massive fluke but I think probably West Ham deserved to win that game, and you can say that Town were sort of under underperformed maybe, but I still think they probably should have scored in that game. Like Tom Ince hit the bar, that was about it in terms of chances. Um, so, and I think you know West Ham aren't defensively the the most sound team, so that would be the one that would stick out to me as as not maybe not a worry as yet, but definitely something to keep an eye on going going forward.
0: Yeah, I, I think it is obviously something that I'm not saying it's not an issue, but I'm not I'm saying it's not as big an issue as yeah. people are making it out. To yeah. be. Um, I don't think it's debilitating or crippling as yet. I think no, it, yeah. if it carries on for another five games, let's have the conversation then.
1: Yeah, but and let's have the conversation if the defense starts sort of leaking goals. because yeah. then it becomes a bigger issue as well.
0: Exactly, uh, as we know, with sort of Liverpool, they need to score three goals to win a game. That's not the case with with Huddersfield. I mean, what they've 2-0-0s and 1-1-1 one, one, one there, so essentially one more goal in three games, they'd have been nine points up. Mm-hmm. I think in two of those, Leicester and Southampton, legitimately, they should have been the winning side. Um, so, yeah, I'm not not panicked as yet. I may be in a, a minority, though. Is there anything else, any other business you've got at all?
1: I don't think so. I think one one thing probably should mention is the, uh, the TV deal thing, which has been bubbling around. Top six want more money. Top six want more money, yeah. Supposedly worth three billion pounds at the minute, it's likely to increase by forty percent with the next deal, which is two thousand and nineteen. So it means that it's very important for town, hope if they can to stay in the Premier League for twenty nineteen because you know their, their income would would double just in terms of TV money. So
0: it's obviously something Huddersfield voted against. I think once yes,
1: it... yeah. The only teams that voted for it were the top six plus West Ham, Everton, and Leicester and they needed 14 they got 9 teams who voted for it 11 teams voted against but supposedly the n- the new one that they that they're working on now the new proposal sees it a change slightly um and i know the chronicle think that newcastle would be more open to voting for this second sort of reviewed one um but again we'll find out in 3 weeks time when they they reconvene for the the november meeting of the premier league teams
0: i'd love to be a fly on the wall in one of those meetings to see what it's like
1: can't even picture it to be fair. Just Still all those sat owners sat around room. the boardroom, yeah.
0: We're <laughs> like the apprentice on crack. <laughs> anyway, uh that's us for today. We'll be back on Thursday where we might actually have some proper Huddersfield Town material because we're going to the press conference. There's a game to talk about on the Saturday. It is Saturday, isn't it? The Swansea game.
1: Saturday, yes. Yeah, three I PM. 3 p.m. Yeah. yeah,
0: that'll be in good night out in Cardiff afterwards.
1: No, I'm I'm uh, I'm going on holiday afterwards, mate, so I can't go out.
0: To Amsterdam, so a night out in Cardiff is going to be dwarfed somewhat. Um, no comment. <laughs> that's us for, for today. If you um subscribe on iTunes or audio, boom, you won't miss an episode. There's the BF52 offer as well 24 pounds, you don't have to pay, you get a free create, just pay for the £5.95 postage. The code is Huddersfield on the website, so that's fairly easy to remember. And uh, Rory, I'll speak to you on Thursday.
1: Yep, see you then.